So I'm so grateful for my life that I want to give back. That's one thing. And then just seeing someone else entering that path. And if it's a small thing I can say or do where someone feels just 1% better than they did the day before, I think that's, that's just amazing. So welcome to 292 Wellness. This is our platform where we're going to discuss everything related to wellness, well-being and design. With the goal of helping people have daily touch points in their lives that empower them to be the best versions of themselves. We're going to be hosting many guests to talk on a range of topics from wellness, well-being and specifically design and how buildings can support us on our wellness journey. I'm Ben Meyer, co-founder and principal architect at Mendel and Meyer Design Studio and today I'm delighted to host our first episode with my partner in every sense of the word, Anissa Mendel. She's our co-host of this podcast. She's also my partner in our business, Mendel and Meyer Design Studio, and my partner in life, my beautiful wife. So welcome, Anissa. I'm excited to be here today. Cool. So we've been talking off camera a lot about episodes, how we should get into the podcast and we have a goal and a purpose of what we want to achieve and really igniting wellness through design is our, our real goal. But the bigger goal of that is to help people, is to get people on a track where they have these daily touch points around wellness and well-being. And we are obviously fundamentally architects and designers in the world of hospitality. But we feel there's another thread to that. How can we have those daily touch points that promote and support our wellness journeys and it's becoming such a big trend at the moment i know we've been discussing a lot different initiatives and different ways of 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 exposing people so that they can kind of maintain some sense of wellness and well-being in in this crazy world that we live in and i know for you you grew up in germany so we'd love to hear first a bit about your story of you know where you come from what it was like growing up there and I know you very well of how you innately have this wellness and well-being kind of culture and attitude inside you and you've helped impart that to me because our journeys have been very different. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit of, or let the audience hear a little bit about your, your journey growing up in Germany. Absolutely. Um, so when I think back, I was obviously, like you said, born, born and raised in Germany in a town called Wiesbaden, which is just outside of Frankfurt. And thinking about what you were saying kind of getting people onto like our wellness journey and having people be part of our wellness journey now in the hopes that it inspires someone to change something in their lives or ignite something that kind of helped them, empower them. Thinking back, um, now that I understand wellness, I can obviously pinpoint a little bit more and say the healthy food I was raised with, the consciousness about inorganic foods, um, the no TV at dinner time, like conscious eating, always physically activity was part if it's either was playing outside or doing sports. So some of those really simple pillars, um, really looking after your sleep, it was like, we didn't grow up with TVs in the bedroom. There is it's simple stuff at the time, I didn't really realize that it would set me a really good foundation for a wellness oriented, well being oriented lifestyle as an adult. But these things are kind of ingrained or a part of me. And especially with the healthy food, it's just something that I now great crave uh, because it's it's kind of how I was raised it's part of me so now I really have that kind of understanding now like you were mentioning as well wellness being way more at the forefront 
of every people's life. It's it's really that I feel like I'm really appreciative that this is something I literally can say I grew up with, and just that consciousness. And food's a big topic for everybody. Our relationship and journeys with food have been very different. Uh, we'll get on to me in another episode growing up in the UK. I know at times I've tried to mirror your in food intake and diet exactly hoping that somehow I would magically kind of trim myself down and and have the you know a, a physique that is much more you know sort of um athletic like yourself but it never worked I don't know what it was but and it just shows how everybody's different so no matter what I did ate the same food ate the same calorie intake it just it didn't work for me and that's because everybody's individual so when we think of the the three pillars you mentioned food um what about sort of fitness activity and then sleep as the other major contributor to well wellness and well-being yeah and i think about i mean activity was always something i was a very active child like my mom she had to take me outside she had me take to the playground she had to take me to two playgrounds like the first we walked the most energy i could like spend the happier i was really so that was always part. And then I feel like um, because I liked that physical activity growing up and knowing how good it was for my body and mind, it's just something when I was a young adult always integrated. Uh, I actually, now thinking back, I started ballet when I was, I think, five or six. So that was always something that followed me until I was about 18, 17, 18. So that's one thing that I was always doing that brought me a lot of um, discipline and kind of like really body consciousness as well, like just the, the posture of your body and a really good routine. And then I just always enjoyed working out and just it because the physical gave me a really good kind of mental base as well to feel really good. And that's just something that now in my 40s, I still do and really want to do. And I think especially now with getting older, um, I just see really the value in that as something I feel at home with. Yeah, it's fascinating. What about sleep? So sleep, uh, I've always really been a good sleeper. Uh, I would say that, and then now when you were kind of trying to touch on like, because I feel like the childhood, there's a lot of things that influence us in childhood. So when I think about that, it's there was always a really nice kind of bedtime routine. There was, I would stop watching TV way before bedtime, or maybe most nights even don't even watch TV. There was no TV in the bedroom. Um, my mom would always like, put me to bed with some nice essential oils. There was a sleep story. It was like that preparation time for rest and it's kind of getting the mind into that the rest is going to follow. And I feel like if the bed for me was always a place where I sleep. There was not a lot of, and especially back in, in growing up and even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, there was no technology that you could just take easily into bed and binge watch movies or just scroll down on your phone. Um, so I feel like that's definitely, again, sort of a rhythm and a routine uh, that's kind of that I feel like is is still valuable for me now. And would you say, I would say, and I would observe you and say, wellness comes naturally to you. You don't even really need to try that hard at it. Is that true? I mean, it's funny because from the outside, and you're obviously very complimentary about that to me, it's from the outside, uh, I feel like it's, it's always harder when you're on your own. You, When you say it and when I think about it, that's probably true what you're saying. I don't think I consciously think every day like, oh, I'm so great at, at wellness protocols or it's not so much. It's it's a very natural part. And I think now with wellness becoming more 
popular, conscious, more aware, and a lot more talk about it, I've kind of just more think like, yes, that's that's something I do. That's something that's recommended and something I do and I've done for a long time. And it kind of more clicks for me now that that's really, that now I say I grew up with the wellness lifestyle, but I didn't know at the time. And I didn't know until, I don't know, a few years ago that that's really what happened. It's just more now with that awareness, you connect those dots. And do you think... I think most people struggle with trying to adapt and stick to healthy habits, whether it's to do with mm-hmm. sleep, food, alcohol, scrolling now, watching too much Netflix. We often discuss that having a purpose around these, mm. around something in life that is stronger a stronger pull towards than those short-term highs or fixes that we get do you think you've got some internal purpose or north star that's kind of guided you away from the things that most people easily fall into or become bad habits i would absolutely say that i've always been very kind of purpose driven and i think part of that is i just had a thought around that actually I feel like there's always been this real kind of gratitude for my life. Generally, I feel like I've grown up with a lot of gratitude and just really being excited to be here on this earth, living this life, living the experience and kind of really wanting to make the most out of that and also giving the most gratitude for what I've been given. And especially our bodies are amazing, amazing tools to live a really good life. So I think that's, that's definitely driven by sort of gratitude, purpose, um, and I think like you were saying as well, it's now that I'm thinking about, I feel like there's a difference as well between you got to develop, I have experience, you got to develop a habit. Often it's like you develop a habit over a certain time, period of time. And then when you go beyond that point of habit, then it really turns more into a lifestyle. And that's where something then sinks in, it becomes part of your daily life, it becomes part of your identity, and it's just something that you don't live without and you don't need to force it, you don't need to, it's just what you do. And then what I've discovered for myself as well, because there's certain things like I explained that are innate and there's other things that I feel like I wanna add or wanna try out. And once you get into that lifestyle point, you can add another thing. So I think a lot of people are familiar with habit stacking. It's if you try too many things at the same time and if if it's too restrictive, I find it's sometimes really hard um, and if you feel like you need to give up a part of your identity and you need to be someone else for a certain time to achieve that goal, I think that's where it can really happen that you get off track. And either it's because you don't have the purpose or you're trying so hard to be someone else, that purpose gives you the identity you want to become. Um, and those those things I think are really hard. Yeah, and that's a really trial and error as well. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. and. A really good explanation that a lot of people don't think about we we often get to a point where we get frustrated with ourselves maybe we've put too much weight on or we've had a period of drinking too much so we have that sense of initiative to do something about it we do something about it for a period of time normally the maximum we can last is a few weeks and then that desire and passion or motivation wears off and before we know it we're back to square one so sounds like you've got your parents and your upbringing uh, to thank a lot for you know your 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 natural wellness journey to date 
Absolutely, mm. yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting, like you're saying, I just, at the time, it's almost a normal. And now when I look back, it's like, no, it's not normal. And it's not normal for a lot of people to early on be exposed with that. And um, so, yeah, I'm super grateful for that. And And this is, I think, what excites me as well now being more conscious about that some of those things come maybe natural or easy to me is to really help people that might not have had that easy upbringing with that and that are really now as an adult trying to change is to see if I can share just some of those things that I know and and, and experience myself to just help others with that too. Yeah, I'm excited to, you know, I'm always excited you seem to people seem to naturally gravitate to you for advice and you and you give that and I know we're trying to make sure now with a, we marry those skill sets and those initiatives uh, that are both kind of personal focused along with the design and our architecture and design firm and how we create the built environment that supports those those wellness initiatives and people on those journeys so you've you've grown up in Germany you're now in your teens late teens talk to us about how you got into design and how america came into your life so america came into my life actually when i was seven or eight is the very first time we took a family trip to the states and i was always really fascinated with this country and with that feeling that the country gave me as well so i think when i was at that age there was always that desire of wanting to live in america wanting to speak the english language there's always been very early on, you can't really at that age pinpoint what it is, but it's always been a, yeah, just really a dream to be living in America. And then uh, when I studied, I studied interior architecture in Germany. And one of the semesters we were asked to go and do an internship to gain practical experience. The option was obviously to pick a office, a company in Germany, but we were also um, kind of invited to go abroad. And because I had visited Arizona through my sister before in the early 90s, I did, an int, uh, sorry, I did a tour at Taliesin West when I came here to visit. And Taliesin West, obviously the famous Frankfurt Wright School of Architecture um, and kind of desert camp, student camp. And I was so fascinated with that place that I just really set out to wanting to come and do my internship here. It was like a six month internship in the early 2000s. Um, and I came for six months. I worked alongside the Taliesin architects at the time and uh, did part studies with the students, attended some of the courses. And it was just such a magical experience, like being in the desert, a completely different landscape from where I came from. The light, the magic of the desert, the connection to nature, just the, the openness of the sky, the vastness. And then the interesting is what the buildings or and that experience really the non-existing buildings because the students, as some people might know as well, live in tents or live in kind of built structures out in the desert. So it's very simple. It's not all the amenities you know now of a built environment around you. It's that connection really where you understand when you're building something, you build that shelter. You want to be in nature and be connected to nature, but you want to be protected obviously from the elements. And just that connection, that dance between nature and the built environment and design and the power design can have to be in synchronicity with nature and not fight against it, just the building being built and nature still being really powerful and preserved and not destroyed by a building. That was just such a fundamental real experience for me that I really then took back to Germany where I finished my studies that then let me 
kind of back here and live in the States for a couple of years. So that's kind of was really my early experience. And I think that internship at Frank Ed Wright was a real pivot point for me, my career, my um, and starting as a designer. And is there anything that you can pinpoint that you particularly hold dear now from that experience that you kind of innately put into all of your designs or a philosophy or an idea? So I would say that architecture and design is more than just one facet for me. It's like a real, and I think this is why we do what we do is where we integrate architecture and interior design. It's kind of a holistic approach. And really what I learned from the experience at Frank Lloyd Wright is that it's a, it's a holistic approach, it's a lifestyle. For example, the students, we were doing sculptural classes, dance, theater. It was way more expansive than just learning the technical stuff. There was a lot more community around it. There was a lot more culture around it. And I think that's really um, that's really what kind of fascinated me about it. And that's what I feel like I influence into the work we do now is that it's always a holistic approach. This is why other elements come into play than just the typical standard ideas that you learn um, when you study architecture or design. And I think I'm always still fascinated about what are the other layers that we personally are drawn to that we can bring in kind of into our work. That's a great, <clears throat> excuse me, great point. And we never like to silo those disciplines, do we? It's never architecture and design as these two separate entities. We are fortunate the way we met that we've always linked those two together. And we like to design holistically where those two skill sets create a unique product. But for us, we feel is a superior product than if you're just one discipline in isolation in its own silo. You mentioned community too, which we also know now post-COVID is a huge uh, topic. So it's interesting that you bring up community, something I think we'll speak in more detail in a, in a future episode. So that's fascinating. So I can, I can see how that's influenced you as well. So if we touch back on wellness, you've, you know, you've studied, you've come back. I know there was a period in that time where you had to leave the United States and it kind of derailed you a little bit. So how did that affect your kind of wellness or well-being at that time? That's, I mean, that was actually really interesting for me because I think that was the first time in my life where I felt like, like you were really saying derailed and away from kind of my natural instinct for myself, for my body, for just my happiness, my kind of fulfillment. And even though it was a really hard time at the at that time, I feel like now looking back, it gave me the understanding of what it feels like to not be in balance and to not feel good, to not be comfortable in your body. And I really value that because I feel now I can either connect with people that are in a similar situation and want to get and change their life for the better. And it also makes me really appreciate where I'm at now. And it gives me kind of really the strength and then also gave me the understanding not everything is always okay. I mean, you have phases in life where something just knocks you off, but with enough strength and power and again, purpose is where you just get back on your back on your horse and you keep going. So it's, um, but it definitely, and I'm trying to think as well what it was that derailed me. I think it was partially because what you're mentioning, there was such a community that I was involved in. 
And then I almost like started to grow roots and then you get kind of ripped out. Um, and then you feel derooted for a while. And then I think that's just really, I think, yeah, when you just really feel really like you're off your path. And I think that's what everyone can relate to that are just times in life where something knocks you off with something unexpected happens or choices that are made, even sometimes choices you make yourself. And then suddenly you really just find yourself not on the right right path or the path that you're really supposed to be on. Um, but I think, again, that's just an experience that gets you, just wakes you up, shakes you up, and then you continue. So it sounds like being derooted from that community at Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture and going, having to go back to Germany and back to your design school there, you were anticipating that there wasn't going to be the same connection and community uh, to continue that journey. Yeah, it was very different. I would say it was very, um, it was way more competitive in Germany. It was not as community focused and uh, definitely not as encompassing. And in no way or shape am I saying that it wasn't good. It was just different at the time. And I'm really grateful for that kind of exposure experience and um, yeah, kind of education that I got. It was just that personal connection community that I was really missing. So, and I think that's just makes me understand now as well how valuable it is to have like-minded people around and to just really, um, with what we do, for it to be like a, yeah, of kind of a lifestyle. So you completed your studies in Germany after this uh, derailed process, and I then did. then what was next? So then uh, I actually had a job offer in Germany. Um, I was supposed to start that position, but then came to the States um, really just to go on vacation before I would start my first job in Germany, came back to Arizona. And then during that time, because I hadn't been here for a little while, I kind of really connected back with Arizona in the desert. And then as fate would want it, I got introduced to a local design architecture firm that I interviewed with and then um, and came f to work for Amazing. So I just really, it was just like a, just pivoted, but it's almost like going back to the track I was supposed to be on. So it wasn't really like starting a new track. It was almost like I'm back on the track that I'm supposed to be on. And it's like the, and Arizona was just really calling me again. Now, I know you got a nice little story there about your first project and how that came about. <laughs> yeah, you know me well. <laughs> So the story with that is that the firm I was working with in town was uh, at the time um, engaged to work on the uh, mid-century hotel here in town, the Hotel Valley Ho in Scottsdale. I remember driving past, um, before I actually got introduced to that firm, driving past when the Hotel Valley Ho was under renovation to be reopened and saw the sign, mid-century cool hotel opening. And then I was looking up and I was thinking like, this would be so amazing to work on a project like that. Obviously, the, for me, that was like, because I don't know, was I in my early 20s? Or, I think probably my early 20s. There was obviously something like, oh, in the future that could happen. And then the firm I got introduced to that I ended up working with was working on that project, was working on the Hotel Valley Ho. So this was literally my first hospitality project I was involved with in the, in the US. And from that day on, completely spoiled <laughs> with what hospitality design is. Um, and even that made an even more more of an impact for me to and more of an reaffirming as well that I'm in the right place because an opportunity like that that early on in your career was just 
really incredible. And it was connecting me back to that real opportunity that I was always feeling in the States, thinking back of when I came here the first time when I was six or seven. It's just really that opportunity was amazing. Uh, remind me again, what was the first uh, English word you ever learned when you came to America? <laughs> well, one was doggy bag. <laughs> and then the other one I learned was an orange juice without ice, please. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you need that when you're on vacation. <laughs> one thing we didn't touch on, it just remind me as we start your journey into design. What was the interest in design? What sparked that interest? Because we talked about your mm. kind of just growing up through wellness and well-being, but we didn't really touch on how design came into your life or where that passion came from. So design, it really more started with that I was very interested in photography. Like I like the combination of something creative, but something also technical. Um, and I always thought that was the path I was set out on to do. So I really wanted to be a photographer. And I've kind of like did an internship in New York around that and had that experience. Um, I then got introduced through my mom. She actually handed me a magazine that was an article about interior design or an interior designer that, um, that used feng shui. So the kind of um, philosophy around energies, uh, energies in the space and like ancient combining sort of ancient wisdom um, with modern with modern techniques. And that really fascinated me. And I was just like, this is, that's really interesting. There was another level. Um, and then I was like, actually interior design could be really interesting. Um, and so that's kind of really what it, what it started. And I feel like the, the design, design was, I think, I guess was a little bit in me because I come from a very creative family. I've always been kind of drawing, making things, creating things. So that, I feel like the creative side I always knew would be something ar around that. Like I said, the technical was I was interested in, I guess my German background is like the like the technical things. Uh, and, but then there was this other level of like I was explaining with the feng shui philosophies, there was another level where I felt like that's amazing what you can create with spaces. They can be aesthetically pleasing, but there's another unseen element. And this is really, I kind of maybe lost it in between a little bit, but this is like really what followed me through from that point on uh, when I started my career in design. Yeah. And as you just touched on, you started in hospitality. Did you know you always wanted to be in hospitality or was that just serendipitous that you worked for a firm that that's what their specialty was? I don't I don't think I realized at the time what all the real the, the, the sectors are you can go into. I know that when I was studying I naturally picked uh, at one of the courses I wanted to work on a restaurant space. It's it's something I've been gravitating to I think it's always been that gravitation of creating something that a lot of people get to enjoy that you share with a lot of people that um, is kind of part, part of people's lives um, so I think that's that's probably where where that thought come from I don't think I've realized until a little bit later that hospitality design is is such a big sector and such an amazing sector and now being in it and it, we're always saying it feeling like a family to us there was always something that has drawn me to it but I, w I don't think there was that consciousness of saying and setting out to i'm only going to do hospitality mm -hmm. design after i've stepped into it and experienced it then yes you knew i knew <laughs> and what's interesting because after you worked for that firm and hospitality and you seemed like you had found your roots again here in Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> you decided to derail it again, and there was another change of foot. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of funny when I think back now how things that derailed me in in my life were obviously always in the end for a good reason. It was almost like I had to do this little detour to learn a certain thing, to meet a certain person, to do an experience. And I think what you're kind of leaning towards too with what you're saying now is the time when, when we met. So I left the States uh, end of 2006, was briefly working in Germany, but then got introduced to a company outside of London through a friend that I studied with, where you happen to be the uh, a partner, where you happen to be an associate partner. And then obviously, um, that to me was the moment where I was like, okay, that's why I had to leave America. That's why I had to leave America and go back to Europe. It, it was like a magnet that pulled me to England. It's like, now I know it was completely meant to be. Um, but at the, t at the time I was, uh, yeah, it was derating again, but it made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I would not have met you. Yeah, and it's fascinating how we, when we started working together, I know from my personal experience that you had this, I hadn't really explored the world from a, a business point of view at that point. I was working at my stepdad's company as an associate director in the field of architecture and you came into our office and just brought this viewpoint and experience that I had never heard from anything else before and it got me really excited and then we just seemed to hit it off. We married those two disciplines of architecture and design and quickly knew that really we had to do something on our own. So two years two years later, we, we set up our first company in London, uh, 7 a.m. Design, and, and started working together. And I know we get asked on a daily basis almost like, how on earth do you work with your spouse? Um, <laughs> how do you typically answer that? How I answer that... <laughs> Well, it's true <laughs> that I love working with you. For me, it's that the way we met, uh, it was that kind of that instant connection of architecture and design being like our passion and our life. I think that's the real key thing. I feel like we're putting on the same string. We've kind of got the same vision for our career, for our life, for our purpose, and we kind of make our each other stronger through that. I also feel like they were never really in competition. So I feel like there's no power struggle going on. It's just really, we have the two disciplines which are not separated, but there's something there where you influence me on the design side. I might come in on the architecture. It's kind of that melting together. But I, feel, I think it's really the setting out and um, pulling on the same string, just having that same purpose. Yeah, it's always been that way. I, I know we have this, telepathy at times where we don't we just know what part of the project the other needs to put the most effort and influence into and it just comes together it's like a dance isn't it we just but it's a dance without a script or words or steps it just it just kind of happens and it is truly magical and I know I feel extremely grateful to have met you and that we get to do this together we get to running our own business in America, which is incredible. But then, like you said earlier, witness people enjoying the spaces that we create is our biggest 
you know, fulfillment or reward. We love, of course, getting notoriety, magazine articles, awards, but there's nothing better than seeing people enjoy the spaces that we design. So we moved to America in 2013, worked for a couple of companies. Uh, we were co-founders of Third Story Architecture and Design, where we set up the hospitality. And funny enough, that got us back to Hotel Valley Ho, where your journey started. And that for us also, uh, uh, that company was the first time we really got to get our teeth stuck into a wellness focused project, which was Savannah. So can you mm -hmm. touch on that a little bit and, and what the experience was like and what it, what it meant to you as we still work on that project to today, uh, that property today? So Savannah uh, was the old Carefree Resort and Conference Center in um, Carefree, Arizona. It's about 20 minutes from our office, 20 minutes north. For me, with that project, it was really the first time to able to to show, explore, experience how spaces have more to it than, than, than just the eye. And obviously, it being a wellness brand, it's a lot easier to, not easier, but I think it's more, it's more desired as well, desired from the client, desired from the brand to focus on a lot more things than you maybe would do with a regular space in terms of sustainability, in terms of healthy materials, in terms of like space energy, in terms of creating spaces that really ground you, calm you, just really um, calm your senses as well, because you're there to transform, to have an experience. It's about way more minimalist spaces. And it's about thinking about certain modalities that you can bring into it that tell a story that connect ancient wisdom. Um, and when I think about that, what I'm specifically thinking about is when we created the spa is in the entry area of the spa. But when you enter the kind of courtyard of the spa building, we created based on the Native American medicine wheel and the four cardinal directions, north, south, east, west, we created these segments that were also planters where medicinal herbal plants um, were planted. They were reflecting the medicinal properties of the direction and also the color of the direction. That for me was just something so cool and amazing to be able to do that because it served obviously a visual purpose of welcoming and inviting, but it had that other notion of we'll kind of doing something consciousness, conscious with the space and the energies of the space and then also the plants would then serve for treatments. So that was really kind of opening up where, I guess my, what we were talking about, innate kind of consciousness about wellness and well-being really came together in spaces. And obviously the best way to explore that is on a project like Savannah where it's about wellness and well-being. But this for me was a real catalyst, and I think for both of us really, uh, to kind of explore that in that realm with what we're doing and kind of expand what we're doing and touching more onto that interest into wellness as well and how we can influence that, not just in our daily lives, but our projects as well. And how do you think, that, there's so many amazing projects out there, Savannah's, you know, an amazing property. How do you think destinations like that can really help people or help transform their lives? So how I when I think about or I 
try to put my, I mean, obviously we have had experiences at wellness resorts and trying to put yourself into the shoes of people visiting wellness resorts. I think it depends a little bit on if it's your first time experience, if you repeatedly go. What everyone hopes when you create a project like that is to really offer a platform for people to be able to open up and transform when they're there. So it's an experience if you're doing a program, a class that you haven't done before that gives you a different viewpoint that makes you see maybe some area in your life that you really need to work on or that you neglected or so it's really kind of that opening that consciousness and the idea is really for you to have that mini transformation because you're so immersed in that field in that environment in that and the topic in the in that energy that you would take that away and make a shift in your lifestyle when you come back home and it, it is fascinating that people really can make a change like you said depends whether it's somebody's first time or whether a seasoned professional but it's a constant game that you can never win which makes it really interesting that you've got to keep working at it there is no finish line you've so even when you get a six pack just because you've got a six pack you can't stop <laughs> you've got to maintain it so we love that thought about everything's just a game and the you know the way to win the game is just keep playing the game and the wellness industry i guess in some ways benefits hugely from that financially because most people struggle they can't maintain a a decent basis of wellness or well-being on there's you know in this crazy world that we live in now it, it's very hard to do that so i know we're passionate about finding and we mentioned in the intro these touch points on a daily basis from amazing wellness retreats and destinations like that to we're looking at more urban locations where people can go still very specialist but don't seem like a special occasion destination something that they can touch on to then how do we introduce wellness features in homes that aren't passive it's not just about lighting and circadian rhythm or clean air or clean water it's it's initiatives that make you physically and actively participate in, in wellness as a whole. I know for you, you've got a, a list of skill sets from feng shui to bazi to sacred geometry that we're learning, and then obviously design as a, an overarching umbrella around that. How do you see yourself combining all of those modalities going forward to you know, inject into the built environment to help, you know, people, as we mentioned, become better versions of themselves. Yeah, I think there's different ways. I think there's um, one way is probably a very subconscious, subconscious way of doing it because of, let's say, who I am or who we are. So everything we do, the intention we are kind of setting is influenced by our wellness and well-being influenced lifestyles and our beings. So I feel like that's something that we don't even think about. It's very intuitive that kind of goes into our work. And then obviously, like you were saying earlier, there's different modalities that we can use from. There's different modalities that are more scientific. There's modalities that are a little bit more spiritual. And we can employ those when we look at a space. Like if we go, for example, to a a site where a building isn't existing, where nothing's existing. 
That's where you really just tap into understanding the land, understanding nature, seeing what that space needs, what nature needs, what the environment needs, and just really reading, reading the space and understanding that and then working with those energies. Then you can go into calculations, how you set out floor plans. You can go into, like we know, proportions. So there's different, there's different ways you can, from the very early point on, where you can start developing a space with that consciousness and with kind of those different energies in mind and the different uses as well. Because not every space wants to be calm and serene. There are some energies where you want to be have a little bit more friction or you want to have more transformative experiences. And obviously with all those modalities, you can create that energy that's really suitable for that space. So it's anything like that. So it's from calculations. Um, it's from just understanding and putting yourself into the shoe of the person that's going into that space. If it's for a wellness resort, you just go into the to the mode of being the guest yourself while we're developing it. We're thinking about the arrival. You're thinking about how you might be thinking if it's your first time at a wellness resort, if you're coming from a really stressful lifestyle, really stressful job. What's your first touch point to really calm you down and bring you down? It's like, how can we aesthetically, but then also because of a certain energy that we infused into the space, there's really people just take a deep breath and just come and arrive. So it's kind of creating that journey, just really thinking about the guest journey and where we can influence influence elements there with colors, textures, measurements, proportions. There's so many tools really that you can implement. So I feel like I said earlier, I think there's some intuitive stuff that we just, because that's who we are, that we do. And then there's some stuff that are a little bit more laid out, calculated, um, that you just develop, you come up with a programming as well. Um, and the same as we would do with a normal floor plan, but there's just a few other little steps that you look at in terms of thinking about the directions, proportions, and things like that that I mentioned. It really is a way to transform the energy of a building or a space. And the nice thing is that <clears throat> you don't need to tell anybody about it. It's just the feeling people get when they enter it. It's, we've often done that ourselves, haven't we? Some of the you know, most historic buildings in Europe that people walk into, whether it's a cathedral or a church or a, you know, a religious place or some ancient ruin, people just have a feeling in there. They, it creates an energy. And often from our learnings, we know that is how the master builders used to build using sacred geometry and specifically using the you know the sun's path and the the solar geometry we often in hospitality think about the originality and connecting a building or a place to the location and through design it's sometimes subtle and sometimes it's obvious but there's no better way to connect a building to its location than basing on the proportions of a solar rectangle which totally and 100% grounds it in its geographical location and the nice thing is that it brings this energy to a building that nobody can see it doesn't cost anybody more to build it's just something that you can do as part of an initiative that from the get-go anchors the property or building in its location so I know as we explore this more and we learn more and 
keep studying we're, we're fascinated about this and now starting to implement it into our projects is, is extremely exciting yeah it's very exciting and i think like going back to when i was mentioning earlier how i was connected with design and feng shui and whatever modality it is for me it's really about whatever name you give that modality it's really about understanding that it's just about energy it's about energy in the space and i'm just so fascinated by what spaces do and like you're saying sometimes you know and sometimes you don't but you know what it feels like when you walk into a space and it feels good i think it doesn't matter what the label is on it i think we can all feel that if something feels good and i think that's just really really exciting to create those spaces that feel good absolutely so as our goal is to help people um what do you see sort of on a daily basis, the biggest challenges people are having right now? The biggest challenge. I think there's a lot of noise and a lot of distraction. We're so connected to through our phones, through technology and technology, don't get me wrong, technology is amazing. It's just there is such a vast influx of information that we're flooded with is the connectivity on the one hand is amazing how you can be connected really around the world but it also i feel like it's a little hard to not to get overstimulated not to get influenced by so many different even if you're learning something by so many different varieties of learning something so many different people you're exposed to so many different people sharing their path um it's very easy to start comparing yourself to a lot of things, to a lot of people. And I think it's just that that overload. I think it's very hard to these days to sometimes filter filter out, to, to disconnect and not feel like, or you're missing out on something, or you kind of lose lose being on that path, lose being on that track if you're if you're stopping your your off your game or I think that's probably just thinking thinking out loud. I think that's probably the, the biggest challenge I can see is to just really um, not feel as grounded. And how do you think design and your designs going forward, how do you think they can help people? And especially when you talk about, about grounded, because like we'd mentioned earlier, it's hard for everybody to go to a specialist wellness retreat or destination all the time, both yeah. financially and just from a time point of view. So do you think there's ways that we can introduce that or help people in their daily lives? Well, I think when you generally, I feel for me, what helps me a lot is like to create daily routines and daily rituals. Just small things, like we said earlier as well, you start with one and you build on it and you add more to it. It's like really from the moment you get up, you you think about sometimes it's called the golden hour, but when you get up, it's like not to get on your phone straight away, not to overactuate your brain, to really respect kind of that really early morning time, getting up, setting a, an intention for your day, a purpose, being grateful for there's another new day, another opportunities it's it's amazing that every day you get a new start and a new opportunity to do something to do something cool so i think it's it's that like building these little routines in our life and it could be anything really from what we obviously all know about yoga meditation 
affirmations is just really seeing what works for you and then something that you feel like you build a good base that keeps you like stable and and grounded i think it's always important that you feel like you're you got your roots because with that grounded power is where you can tap into achieving anything that's where you make good decisions around food is where you make good decisions around sleep this is where you have the right energy to connect with the right people it's kind of it's so powerful for a lot of things and then in terms of design obviously like we were saying when you go to a wellness resort and it feels very grounded because of using real materials using textures and colors that connect you to nature using the subliminal energies in the space that kind of make you breathe deep and be able to disconnect that's one thing in your personal life i feel i guess the really routines and rituals i think are important and then there's anything i think you can kind of try to implement in your space as well it's just really i think one of the most powerful things is really to declutter and i think coming coming to your home space or have a space in your home that you feel like is your sanctuary that you feel like is something where you can just sit reflect meditate read um, have a good scent turn a candle on it's just something that you feel like you can take a moment and re reflect and relax and then you can go back and be amongst the hustle and bustle and and the noise um, that's probably i think is it's probably a good starting point and you mentioned that just taking a moment often that's all it needs we are all are going at 100 miles an hour and sleep is a different kind of recovery but just taking a moment in the middle of the day five ten minutes is all it takes to reset your self and your brain and mm -hmm. your physical body to then pick yourself back up and go again and the trouble is we don't and i keep referring to things as fake fuel we fuel ourselves with these junk highs that we feel like they're giving us energy but they're not really whether it's you know too much caffeine eating sugar um scrolling through your phone a million short youtube videos <laughs> and we all do it don't get me wrong uh i'm watching too much netflix that we feel like it gives us a release a drinking alcohol gives us a release but it, it does don't get me wrong but it's not necessarily the one that's going to give you the most benefit and ultimately it's just going to burn people out and it's going to fry people so yeah having having environments i like the idea having something in your house where you can just you know doesn't have to be this perfect architectural digest meditation room it just needs to be a place free of technology i think is the mm -hmm. big or technology that's integrated that helps you perform whatever the ritual is that you want to perform whether yeah. that's lighting air quality um sometimes we do want to listen to a guided meditation etc so cool so going forward what's exciting you know you about the future us and our well-being design journey and this is a platform to discuss all these different initiatives around wellness well-being and design i think what excites me the most is that i feel like our kind of purpose and what drives us and what we're really excited about and what we want to learn together and grow together is really connecting now with the work we do as well and i think that's just such a such an amazing experience and then as the next step being able to share that 
um, to share it with people and to share kind of what we've learned, to share our experiences and share it from a point where we want to be as down to earth as possible because I feel like the simpler we can make this for someone to come on our journey, um, the more hopefully helpful it will be as well. Have you always wanted to help people? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's another thing I inherited from my mom. Yeah. She's a helper. She is a helper. And I, yeah, if I, like, I think it's just really going back to, because I, sometimes I think about what is that motivation behind it. And obviously you can say in a way it's, do you, if you want to call it, want to label it in a bad way, you can say it's it's selfish because ultimately it gives me a good feeling. So you can look at it that way. But I also feel it's just something um, that goes back to that real gratitude for the life I'm given. I'm, I'm just extremely grateful for my life, if you want to put it like that. And then it's just that excitement that someone else that might not have that experience in life that can get there and you're part of that journey of someone else discovering something that they wake up and and suddenly there's a more exciting life ahead and a real yeah appreciation for life i think for me it's a, i'm so grateful for my life that i want to give back that's one thing and then just seeing someone else entering that path and if it's a small thing i can say or do where someone feels just one percent better than they did the day before i think that's that's just amazing that's amazing and i know yeah i feel grateful too that we're able to use our skill sets together to help other people and especially in the wellness and well-being space where often people are coming to looking for help and are vulnerable that really doing the best to in no way take advantage of people and do the best that we can do to create the environments and designs that support the the project and the the team that's trying to deliver this wellness and well-being experience for people and giving them the best buildings and structures to do that is is the ultimate reward for us it, it really is but like we said do it in a truly authentic way it's it's got to be genuine and it's got to have a a genuine purpose behind the project for it to really you know fulfill us Absolutely. And I think on that note uh, of purposeful, I think intention is a really big one too, because I feel like no matter what you do, it's like if you do it with the right intention, really set a, an intention out at the beginning of the project or project, whatever, you, what the path you're on, if that intention is really set right, it's, it's really powerful. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I know I'm going to be in the hot seat next week. So the roles are yes, going to you be, will be. <laughs> the roles are going to be reversed. But um, we felt this was important to make sure that people get a bit of understanding of us and our backgrounds and our passion and our desires. And as we experience different wellness initiatives and, you know, share our journey and then bring other people in that are true experts in the fields that we're not it's going to be really exciting to intertwine all of those into our daily lives and make it approachable this is we talk about the 80 20 rule we talk about the 80 20 rule in business being you know trying to get um 80 percent of your revenue say from 20 percent of your clients but we like to flip this in the wellness world if you can do good things 80 percent of the time whether that's sleep diet exercise you're going to be in a pretty good place because if it's if you're trying to maintain it 100% of the time, it's almost unhealthy and almost impossible. And 
when people fall off of that wagon when they're trying to do it non-stop it doesn't really work so we all want to enjoy life we always want to let our hair down at times but it's just yeah 80% of the time do the good things eat right sleep well exercise be nice to people and um, <laughs> you know life can be incredible so yeah very exciting about this journey I'm very excited too. Cool. So see you next week. See you next week. Yeah.